Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Yeah, feeling good. Uh, obviously, a couple weeks to recover from my injury, but uh, no, I'm feeling really good now. It's been uh, really important for me, obviously, uh, you know, like I said, just watching the games from up top and uh, getting a new perspective of, uh, you know, uh, how the game's played from up top. It's, uh, you know, it's super important, and I think uh, I'm just going to try and add that to my, to my game. I think he was good when he left the lineup and would love to see even more progress on it. He's had time to sit back and be in meetings and, and observe uh, ups and downs through other guys. And uh, he's a pretty intuitive guy. I would imagine he's picked up a lot. And I'm excited to see uh, you know where he is now coming off of this. Sabres will need Benson and more to get back in the win column tonight against the Winnipeg Jets. It's a game night as the road trip begins this evening in the peg where it is much sunnier than it is here in Buffalo today. So uh, <laughs> lucky for the traveling contingent and most importantly, the team, because they need more sunshine right now. Marty, it's a tough, tough stretch they're in here, having dropped three of four. And the offense has really gone quiet with only seven goals in the last four games. Yeah, and uh, we're going to keep talking about their, their their quickness and speed and pace and go and all of that until they find it. Because, you know, teams that don't have it right now are struggling. Now, we're not first week of the regular season, and we're not in the middle of January or or February when sometimes there's a letdown caused by, by that point, injuries and recalls, and there's teams that struggle with that, and there's teams that don't. There's teams that plug and play, right? And it's just the way it goes. But Mm -hmm. I think that the Sabres, um, more than any other teams right now, is far from their speed that they want to play at there's teams that they know right there's certain teams out there they're like we're not gonna have the gold right now but we as soon as we maybe we can get close right a little closer uh, i think the sabers gap between where they want to be pace wise and where they are is significant so anybody that can come in and add that 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 step um in different aspects of the game i thought about myself what are the two places in the game that it needs pace and you play with pace and it has an impact? It's forecheck and basically rush, right? I mean, that's what you do or transition. And right now, on the forecheck or on transition, the Sabres don't have a lot going on. That has to change against Winnipeg. 
Yeah, but I think you've also said, and rightfully so, that they need more pace on their power play. So yes, here we are too. talking two minutes into the show, and you're trying to attempt all of this while you know looking glass half full with the likes of Benson and presumably Tuck and possibly Eric Comrie as well in the mix, but doing so without Tage Thompson. I'm not sure people make that trade straight up. Uh, no, I, I I know people would make that well, trade. Straight I mean, up. it depends how much they love Zach Benson and or need a goalie. But um, I mean, <laughs> okay, so you include you know I mean, all three right? of I them. Mean, <laughs> there's, you know what though? I'll tell you this: all four of them were supposed to be in a lineup. So you know, you you lost three of them, and especially yeah. uh, talk to a certain extent when it comes to uh, he didn't have a good start to the season, but he was really coming on the way that we know Tuck can play. He adds to that pace. He adds to that forechecking and and takeaways. Uh, the power play, I don't know that it runs through Alex Tuck. Alex Tuck's not the guy that's quarterbacking the power play. So that to me is, well, you're doing it without Thompson. Who else is going to step up there and be able to zip the pass, right? It's like mm -hmm. bang, bang, bang. Like uh, what's uh, Rice Krispies? Um, uh, oh, you and your snap crackle pop again. Snap crackle pop, but it needs but you to need happen. To do it on, you need it on Francais, otherwise it's old. Crick, crack, crack. There you go. <laughs> there you there go. You go. <laughs> it needs to crick, crack, crack on the power play, and it's not happening. And to me, that it, I don't care if it's Stage Thompson. I don't care if it's Benson. I don't care if it's Cousins or Middlestat. It needs everybody on that power play, and maybe oh. Tuck and Benson can help that. Well, what would you do? Like, forget practice yesterday. Forget anything we know about anything other than who you expect to be in the lineup. And if you're going clean slate, like, throw me a power play configuration that may or may not have existed before. That could be Buffalo's best option tonight. Okay, so... I'm going to I'm going to write it down as I'm going. Okay, so I'm going to do Dalene at the point. Okay, I think Dalene in the middle of the point and we got to assume that that's going to be that 131 configuration that most power plays are being used. So oh, that's what I I get that and I've I've you know what I I done yesterday I done a little bit of it last night I was watching games and I'm watching power plays and I'm yeah. like can anybody show me a different look? I think it's the most <laughs> successful way to run power plays power play percentages are for a lot of teams are high like vancouver last night i'm watching vancouver they're second on the power play and in the league and they got the one three one but the difference for me when i watch vancouver is the puck never sits on anybody's set right. it's back and forth it's back and forth oh i see something boom we try it it's not Letting the penalty killers adjusting, but the one three one is still to me the best configuration to be able to do it. So I got Dallin at the top. I got Middlestead in the bumper. I like Middlestead in a bumper, and I think he can be smart in that position. I'm gonna put Tuck right in front of the net. Big man, you can, you know, your your right hand shot, you can go down to the goal line on the uh basically on Dylan Cousins side because that was Stage Thompson's side. So I'm putting Cousins over there. And then on the other side, I know you're gonna think I'm crazy, but I'm going with Victor Olafson just because well, well that's not crazy, obviously with yeah. Thompson out. I think most people would suggest that, no? Well, because I've been one that has been saying, no, I'm not putting Olafson there a lot. Like I've been saying, yeah. like he doesn't shoot. He slows things down. He second guesses himself. But at one point, I'm just saying you're there. And when the puck comes towards you, it's going to the net. Like you're not there to make plays. Mm -hmm. You're getting it to the net. So I'm thinking my configuration on the power play would be Dallin at the point, Cousins in the Thompson spot right now, Middlestead in the bumper, 
talking of net front presence and Victor Olofsson on the other side. You have one-timers on both sides with Cousins and, and Olofsson. You have Cousins to Middlestad bumper, down to Tuck. You can make that triangle or play right there. Uh, you have Dallin shot from the point. I think that would be my goal. And really, to be honest with you, I'm saying I, I need you guys to get on the ice and be there for a minute 20. Be there for a minute 25 if you have to. We need you guys to move the puck, stop skating around, and 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 get comfortable because we need the power play to get going. And you can't duplicate that in practice. I don't care what people say. We practice the power play. We practice the power play. It is never going to be what game situation is like. So that unit, if it was a new unit, like I would design it, would stay out there for a minute 20 so they get the time to be able to, to find that chemistry. Well, the time is an interesting word because regardless of whether you think, and I'm not doubting that you should think this way, but regardless of whether you think that that practices can help power plays, um, they wouldn't have had an awful lot of time to experiment with something different. Is that is that a big concern for coaches? Like if I'm sitting here hypothetically and saying because like I'm willing to go back to two defensemen just for the sake of it. Yeah. Would the coaching staff have no interest in doing that? Like having Darlene and power out there on the same unit simply because it's not been a thing and there's no sense trying something so radical at this point. Like how, how do you think they would do that? Uh, well, I'm, when I look at it, I, I think maybe that's more for the second unit, not for the first unit. And at this moment, I'm just trying to fix one unit, but I think if I was looking at the second unit and, you know, the way that Henry Yokiaru has been moving the puck and skating and creating, and because he's a right-hand shot, mm-hmm. I'm looking at, okay, maybe the second unit has power at the top, Yokiaru on the left flank where Cousins or Thompson would be. And I, maybe you don't use a one three one configuration, powers more on the wall, Yokiaru is in the middle of the ice. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to put, again... Um, you know, my best players on the ice, the ones that are going to give me results. And right now, when Henry, before, you know, he was sick and, and didn't play, mm-hmm. he was running. He was one of those that was was quicker. I'm not saying quick because there's yeah. still a step in two possibly mm-hmm. for most of everybody to get to. But Henry was one of the quicker uh, transition puck moving guys getting on the play. So I think why not put power on your in the second unit. And then you have a mixture of, you know, Skinner possibly. Uh, maybe you put Paterka in there. Maybe you put um, Zach Benson in there. Those would be the guys that would, would need to be considered in that second uh, JJ Paterka in that second unit. But you're, your your bench is running thin right now when you look at the the name of the players that you can put out on the power plays. Well, I mean, you could argue you have more of them tonight with two of them returning and Benson and Tuck and taking Thompson out. I, I was only going for headlines. I wasn't trying to be practical about it. We've obviously seen Power and Yoki Haru perform on the power play together. I just think that it's baffling to me how the Sabres power play is right now. So I'd be willing to throw just about anything at the wall. I think that's what I'm, you know, what's what I'm going for. So, but you could um, even put Rusek on the net front. Like I singled him out last game on how against Boston, he was the one that was net front in front of Linus Olmark. And he looked behind him. Like, where's the goalie? Am I in the right position? Shot misses, comes back and Victor scores his first goal. 
Mm-hmm. I, that to me could also be, hey, Lucas, you're going to be in that front presence on the second power play unit. Go. I mean, uh, could you put Ryan Johnson in the power play? Yes, I that's think what I'm. That's why I'm saying I, you could do power. I think and it's an option. And I would still have Ryan on the second unit. So yeah, I, I think it. Well, I, even if you just go Dallin on the first unit, I don't. I don't feel like Owen Power's game has been where it needs to be at. Uh, and you can do two things: you can force it and say keep keep getting more ice time, keep going, or you can say yeah, focus on your five on five. Really get get yourself in a better place. And we're going to try Ryan Johnson on the on the second power play unit. Maybe it's Ian Yoki, are you? Because who knows? Maybe it's lefty righty again. You've got that one timer situation. I I think you could definitely have options in the second unit. My first unit would be set though with the players that I mentioned. Yeah. You mentioned power, and obviously he's got way less experience than Darlene. But where do you think Darlene's impact is on games right now? Well, I mean, there's a lack of impact, I think, because we associate and 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 rightfully so you know impacts on often production and you know shots and quality of uh of 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 chances right you're on the ice and are you creating chances are you allowing your teammates to get chances um and there's a physical aspect of it and look Darlene was physical against Marchand the other day that's great I love to see it um but like everybody else feel like Darlene when, you know, skating fast and quick turns up the ice and quick pass and give and goes and quick entry in the, new, in the offensive zone and, mm-hmm. and quick attacks. That's what he, that's how he scored his goal on the power play against Carolina. It's like, you know what? I'm going to play fast now. I'm going to chip yeah. it off to myself. I'm going to get in. I'm going to shoot. I'm going to score. Like mm-hmm. that to me is the standard, not I'm going to dip below the standard and give you the standard once in a while. That's the standard, and you give me above the standard once in a while. That's kind of almost what needs to happen. So I, I, I pulled the numbers on Dallin. I haven't looked at the numbers on Dallin in the last few games uh, when you look at, you know, chances for versus chances against and high danger mm-hmm. chances for versus against. But I would can tell you from my eyes, I don't think they were they were really good. And so now it comes down to production offensively again. Yeah, and I'm not trying to single him out because I think it's very obvious to anybody that's watching that it's collective here. And you you really can't just sit here and cherry pick one guy and one guy and one guy. Like it's it's a lot. And that's why, like, if you're gonna make the comparison to Quinn Hughes or whatever, well, look, look how many guys are flying right now on Vancouver. Like it's all in lockstep, right? And like you go back to the end of last year, and even though Darlene had a dip in the final few months compared to where he was on pace for 90 to 100 points. Like he ended up almost identical with Quinn Hughes in total points on the season. And they were almost identical in power play points. Like Hughes ended up with 34. Darlene ended up with 32. And they were, you know, Quinn was top tied with Haskinen and Darlene was tied for fourth. Mm -hmm. Like right now there's a massive gap. Like Quinn Hughes has 14 power play points. Darlene has four. So if, if they were just better on special teams, it would it would bring that gap significantly closer together. And guess what? If they had one or two or three more power play goals, we wouldn't be sitting here thinking that this is a really, really, you know, every trip is critical. So don't let me say that. But no, they, absolutely. You know, they, they've put themselves in a challenging spot based on some of the numbers that they're currently carrying with them here into this road trip. And I, I just think that, you know, it, it, it's kind of easy to look at power play production, power play production from defensemen 
and translate that to the overall standings right now. Like Vancouver's having a great start. New Jersey just had to adjust through the speed wobble of not having Jack Hughes. They got a win last night. But the Rangers, when Fox was in the lineup, he was basically a point of game on the power play in the time that he was in. Uh, Tampa Bay is having a resurgence from Hedman this year. Yes. Even quietly, uh, Edmund Bouchard adds to the Oilers' power play numbers, right? Yep. And Vegas has Shea Theodore with nine power play points already. Like, these are not these are not big stretches, big leaps to take here, <laughs> trying to find success for a team based on power play, based on input from your defense. And again, it's not just on Dahlin, but he's a big right. part of it because yeah. he is Rasmus Dahlin. He's the guy that quarterbacks it. He's the guy that if there's a pass made to the flank and then it comes back to him, do you make the fast play? Do you make the quick decision to get it on net? Or do you open yourself to being checked, to being pressured? And I feel like Rasmus has opened himself up to being pressure. Um, for me, Rasmus has to control the game. And one metric to control games is shot attempts for and against at five on five. Like, you know, usually by the, the, that metrics that you've created more shot, shot attempts, meaning you have the puck more. In the last four games, so we're looking at Carolina, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and Boston, which have been, you know, like, yeah, they, they got an overtime loss against Carolina and they won against the Wild, but it wasn't great games, you know, when you put them together. Only once has Dallin been on the ice, five on five, where went on the ice, created more shot attempts than against. One out of four. Like a player like Rasmus Dallin, that in a bad stretch, you should say, you're 50%. And in a in a good stretch, you're 75% of the games. You're dictating the pace. You're creating more shot attempts. Mm -hmm. Um, so right now, yeah, I the numbers show that both on the power plays and five on five, that he needs to give a little bit more. And I'm not saying it's a lack of effort. I'm saying no. it's a it's a lack of 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 uh like quick it's just pace a lack of pace that's that's Everything what Don said that it, it's come back to that word that four little freaking word that's what it is <laughs> yeah well I'll, I'll say this i mean it's um and they're as much as we're sitting here talking about offense like they're 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 going to be challenged defensively tonight like the jets are a very very yeah. strong offensive team right now scoring 3.7 goals per game arguably have one of the highest scoring lines in the league in Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, and Alex Iafalo. So, uh, and not to mention, now that he's healthy, because his first full NHL season got derailed due to injury, like Cole Perfetti is having a, having a run here, like four goals, goals in four straight games, got nine points in the last seven. They have some offensive depth here, and they'll probably do so in front of Connor Hellebuck by the looks of it. Now, the Jets are playing on back-to-back -back games at home. They'll play again tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so you know you were you were staring at this like okay it's gonna they're they're not going to go with the same guy presumably both nights and it looks like it's Hellebuck and also Logan Stanley in on the blue line with Nate Schmidt coming out but if you're talking about the blue line and we just mentioned Quinn Hughes and we talk about Rasmus Dahlin like Josh Morrissey here you know <laughs> top five in in Norris voting <laughs> last season um, yeah like th this this is an interesting. Sabres have won the last two trips into Winnipeg for whatever that's worth, but I, I just don't want people to sleep on this particular matchup here tonight. No, uh, 24 goals in the last five games for the Winnipeg Jets. That is almost five a game. Mm -hmm. The offense is clicking. Um, and you mentioned Josh Morrissey. I thought he had a slow start to the season. Um, he has been playing with a lot of 
speed and pace the last few games. Connor Hellebuck had a very, very slow start to the season, but weirdly enough, he has had either great games or awful games. And now he's starting to put them together and being consistent and then move the needle towards the good and better games when he gets in the net. So, um, yeah, and then this is all was a, a weird time, obviously, with Rick Bonus and, uh, you know, being with his wife through some some personal uh, things where Scott Arnill has taken over and and all of a sudden, the team slowly has gotten into their rhythms. And I'm obviously not saying it's not Rick Bonus because he is the one that set that has set up the structure for this team. Mm-hmm. But where when you don't have your coach, sometimes your team can go one way or the other. And the Jets really decide to push forward. Um, and they've they they've been impressive. When they beat the Devils 6-3, mm-hmm. uh, when they uh, you know, beat Arizona who had been running 5-3, like this is this is some impressive games that uh, the Jets have been on the last five here. Well, be bigger than that, they have points in nine of eleven, they're seven, two, and two in that stretch. So it was really just a little blip at the start, and otherwise they've been very, very strong. And Arizona's still humming too, by the way. Um, their power yeah. play has scored in seven straight games, they're eight, six, and two on the year. Um you know, we'll get into a lot of the what's going on around the league with Shana Goldman at the bottom of the hour. But I mean, just to you know, put it into perspective, I mean, <laughs> of course, yesterday's first game of the day overseas ended up in a three point game featuring two Atlantic teams. Right. Like you, <laughs> you had to know that was coming. And, and uh, a four game, a four goal lead disappeared. Right. Yes. So and and those multiple goal leads are are are. Again they're they're just about impossible to lock down right now the islanders by the way i saw a funny note about them the other night yeah. like i mean they they were tied with boston for the most two nothing leads in the nhl they've lost seven in a row like they're picking up some points along the way but they're not winning these games that they're taking leads in and that's the islanders we're talking about they were one of the outliers in today's offensive world that eh, when they get the lead they're likely going to be one of the teams that can hang on to it right elite goaltending and all the rest of it it's not the way it, it has not been the way. And then, um, you know, they're able to, uh, uh, you know, get a point against the Kraken yesterday. But again, the same thing, like they lose in a shootout and they had a power play uh, late in the game. Yeah, Yamamoto took a penalty with four minutes left. You think of the Islanders and say, OK, go ahead, go get a power play goal. That's the same thing with the Sabres. It's like mm-hmm. it, it, the power play percentages and power play goals. Um, you know, it's great to be in the top 10, top five in the league, but it's also great when you come through with big, big power play goals and at big moment, games tied, less than 10 minutes, less than five minutes, you get a power play, go get it. Have mm-hmm. the confidence that you can go get it. The Islanders don't have that confidence right now. The Sabres don't have that confidence right now. I can guarantee you, Duffer, I've told that story before. So out of the, the 0405 lockout, right? 0506, 06, 07, we used to do four on four overtime. Mm-hmm. So four on four overtime, when you got a power play, it was a four on three power play. I could literally undo my glove, my mask, my blocker hand and be like, we're going to score. We're going to win. If we got a power play late in the game, I knew we were going to win the game. I could take a, you know, go take a shower. I, it was no, we were going to win the game. Um, we had that confidence mm-hmm. and that confidence that it was going to happen. I cannot. Also, you know, I, I I can also tell you that there's teams I was on that I'm like, well, this is just going to be a waste of two minutes. Like, I better be ready because as soon as the two minutes is over, 
Um, we're going to get a flurry of attacks coming our way, right? Mm. That's just the way it is. Right now, the Sabres, you can't tell me that they are confident that if they get a power play with three minutes left in a tie game, that they're going to win it or in overtime that they're going to win it. It's not there. Sabres are three back of Toronto and three back of Tampa. Those are the two wildcard teams in the East right now. The Sabres have played one more than the Leafs, who are overseas. Uh, they have played one fewer than the Lightning, who emerged victorious last night against Chicago, whom the Sabres will play next. That game happens on Sunday. Uh, we'll dive deeper into, um, you know, special teams because we'll probably know a little bit more by then tonight on our pregame show that begins at 730. Mm -hmm. And part of that will, again, focus on pace and how they're not drawing enough, perhaps, power play opportunities. Marty, they've played. 15 games, this 15, 16, pardon me, games yeah. this year. Do you know how many times the Sabres have had more power play opportunities than the opponent in those 16 games? Say two? Once. Okay. And it was I didn't want game. to say one. I was setting the over-under at one, and I was going to go two. But yeah, and it okay. was the game against Montreal, which was largely frustrating because with all those opportunities, they didn't take advantage of going to the net, which is kind of a similar refrain to what we've seen here in the last couple of games, right? Yeah, and Montreal is a team that is uh, taking a ton of penalties. At uh, last I had checked, they were the most penalized team in the National Hockey Sabres League. Sabres actually so. are third most time shorthanded behind Montreal and Anaheim. Yeah, so. so yeah, and that's because they're not drawing obviously a lot, exactly. and they're you know at the end instead of being hey we were three and three on power plays on both sides, you go one and three. So that's that's what it that's that's why you're down. Absolutely. Um, do you know how many turkeys were collected yesterday? I would love to say thousands and thousands, uh, but I don't have a total number. Over 3,100, according to our partner Odyssey through Feedmore Western New York wow. and Buffalo City Mission. So I would say that at least half of those came from our location in West Seneca. So you yeah. can pat yourself on the back for your starring role in all of that. Well, I, I like to think that we had an impact, but I think it's the great people of uh you know that that are there the volunteers that are making it happen everybody comes every year there's, there's people that are like oh, i was there last year remember i gotta take my selfie again this year i was here two years ago the same people come back why because it's easy it's fast now we did have a little bit of a slowing down because of pat coletto which uh is was just on the screen right now i'm gonna blame it on, on on pat but um it's it's great people come through it's well organized it's a great location on the way to work, on the way to school, um, you know, Duffer, you you looked warm yesterday, and uh, it was already. Well, it was warm. It was warm, so you by, looked by, warm. By November standards, it was definitely warm. Yes. it was absolutely like I was sweating a little bit at one point. I had to take my jacket off, but yes, it was uh, it was a beautiful morning, and thank you to all that volunteered, donated. Uh, you know, everybody that has a part in it is it's amazing. 3,100, yeah, that's that's a big number. Yeah, and obviously Feedmore, Western New York, and Buffalo City Mission, you know, play such an integral role in helping those um, at this time of year and throughout the entire year. So, um, again, it was a fun day in the sense that people were there early. Like if you're not, if you're not early, you're not on time. Yeah. Well, let me tell you they they were on time. Like they, they forced the gates to be open a little early to handle the volume. And John Tortorella sent an email to everybody. If you're 15 minutes early, you're 10 minutes late. People were there a half hour before. <laughs> Maybe producer Jeff had adjusted everybody's clock ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. Can you fix my computer, Jeff? Come on, let's go. Let's get it done. Well, there's there's that component at this time of year, and there's the ongoing 
Oh, you know, it's, it's really the goal of the game. And I think back to all the different expansion eras we've had in the NHL. And the goal is to get the game in front of more people. And that's what learn to play is all about, even in a longstanding hockey market like Buffalo, but in all markets across the league and hopefully in all places across the country that don't even have NHL hockey. So here we are. Hockey instruction for kids four to nine years old. It's learn to play and you can receive head to toe equipment and six weeks of on ice instruction from certified coaches. Join today at sabers.com slash learn to play. Shana Goldman on this game day is going to join us next here on Sabres Live. Stay with us. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Trade deadline is months away, but we may have just uh, crafted a significant one here on Sabres Live. <laughs> Spalding Lake Wi-Fi might be partly to blame. Marty's gone. Shana's on. Hi, Shana. Happy game day. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Uh, really good, because now you have an exclusive window without <laughs> interruption from an NHL netminder who's still trying to get a hold of his silver stick for 500 games played, Marty Baron. <laughs> but Marty will be back shortly. Um, in all honesty, when you think of the Sabres and where they're at going into Winnipeg tonight to start their road trip and doing so without Tage Thompson, but the likelihood of Alex Tuck and Zach Benson and Eric Comrie coming back into the mix and their challenge offensively and on the power play lately, what is the biggest story for you for Buffalo as they take on a, a very gifted right now offensive team in Winnipeg? Yeah, I think the big story is how do you deal with the loss of Tage Thompson? Because it feels like he's one of the few players this season who hasn't fully like missed a step. I don't think we're seeing the magic of Tage Thompson that we saw last year and the year before that. But there you lose a center, a top line center, and that is going to have a ripple effect. And you look below the surface and in his line combinations, the team generally was better with him on the ice at five on five and the power play. He was one of the few players who didn't take it such a hit in shot creation or scoring chance creation. Like we saw otherwise. So it, it's going to be a big blow no matter what, but it's a big test for them. The storyline for me is who steps up, right? You know, boring stuff here. I'm going as cliche as it can be, but the attention's going to turn to Dylan cousins, right? Yeah. He's the player. I think we all need to see step up and it's going to be really interesting to see how he manages the challenge after having a tough start to the year. 
I agree. And I think sometimes the questions can sound cliche from all of us, but it is always most interesting who produces an emphatic answer. And I think it's very challenging for Dylan at this point, based on, you know, obviously the the recent setback at the hands of Hathaway and the fight and the having to wear the full cage. And and it's easy to forget that he had been on Hi Marty, welcome back. He had been, you know, on a a good point run, had cousins. But then it got real quiet. I feel like Marty's frozen in time. So we're going to go back to him <laughs> in a second. But I, I think this is this is a really like it's almost like Casey Middlestad has proven that he can be comfortable in all situations right now, whatever is asked. And we should feel the same way about Dylan based on the fact that he scored 31 goals last year. But yeah. this this is a really unique window for him. What are his strengths to get through this right now? His strengths are definitely his playoff thrush, and that goes right into the Sabre strengths that I think it's going to be so important for the team that we know has greater offensive heights than they've shown this year is playing the way they play best. And then we can talk about, well, they need to add this into their game and that. But I think at their core, they need to do what makes them click, and that is thrive off the rush. They were one of the best uh, rush-based team last year, and Cousins was a big part of it. Uh, We saw in the beginning of the year, too, he was someone that was really good at getting play into the offensive zone and not necessarily translating it to scoring chances at the highest rate. But that's something he started to build on as the year continued. So I think getting back to that is going to be really important. If he's not scoring goals off the rush himself, I think it's going to be important to pair him with someone that can be there in the dirty areas to clean up those scoring chances or who can be there, who can keep pace with him and get to the net front. So it, it kind of buys Cousins a little bit extra time, space, and a second opportunity. You know, I think there's going to be more emphasis on him when he's on the ice because you don't have this threat of Tage Thompson, who he's been playing with for some of the year at even strength. So that's going to be interesting to me. And it kind of reminds me of like the Dawson Mercer situation in New Jersey because we see this young center who obviously in his case has been a winger a little bit more lately. But this mm-hmm. young player who's been struggling after having such a cr- you know a, a crazy good year last year. And then you lose Nico Hishier. So there's the opportunity for Mercer to step up and he didn't. Then you lose Jack Hughes, who, you know, he didn't get that bump immediately until they had to give him it. And on the one hand, it's a knock because he was playing with Hughes, like Cousins was with Thompson at points. Right. So that's someone that should build his game up. But on the other hand, it's what can you do to be better individually? And now recently we're seeing with Mercer, he's increasing his shots and scoring chances, which took a huge hit in the beginning of the year. So maybe yeah. the same will happen with Cousins because he's going to be leaned on a little bit more. I was taking that personally when Mercer was having such a tough start. I was such a fanboy last year. <laughs> I was traded him in like, fantasy because of it. I was like, oh, I'm done. No. Wow. Quick to make decisions, but you know what? That's the nature of all of this. And and it is now just speaking again about Cousins and thinking about how much time he's been on the wing and, and what they've kind of navigated through here the first 16 games. It's kind of so unlike what a lot of last year was like with these consistent lines and everything. And, and we spent the a good portion of the start of the show, Shana talking about Rasmus Dahlin and, and, and not knowing truly how to measure just how effective his game is right now, because there's, there's so many players that just aren't right there. And inevitably, you know, you, you can only be as good as some of the guys next to you. Like we're all going, crazy over the fantastic start for Vancouver but so many guys are just hot right now with the Canucks that everybody's numbers can benefit from that and uh, I don't know how do you look at Darlene right now and would you be open to doing anything 
crazy when it comes to Darlene's usage on the power play or changing up power play configuration to free him up to have an even bigger impact. I would keep him on power play one. I mean, the, the the strength for the Sabres is that you have Owen Power right there. You could throw him on that top unit just to get a different look. But I feel like Darlene's one of the few players they can count on for shots right now that maybe they should get him. It's going to be about, you know, figuring out ways to maximize the game around him. You're right. We can't. It's, sometimes it's tricky to measure how someone plays without the team around them. And San Jose is kind of the opposite of that last year, right? Like Eric Carlson did it all by himself, but that should not be the standard. That should be the exception to the rule. So it's a little bit tricky there for us to measure how good Darlene is or what he needs to do in his game. Because, I I mean, he can only do so much unless he's doing everything by himself, which nobody wants to see. They want to see, you know, the other four guys on the ice have more puck touches. But I I think for him, it's going to be just kind of playing to his strengths on the power play and hoping everyone around him can can go with it because he I think is still effective in his role I think his en- entries could be a little bit cleaner too but I think mm-hmm. that's the case for everybody in Buffalo right now yeah. but it's just going to be focusing on you know maybe generating more off the rush maybe it's stretch passes maybe that's the move and if you can get that first rush shot you can get back in formation and go from there instead of you know fragmenting off the bat well good to hear you Shana because I could see you in Duffer <laughs> but I couldn't hear a word you guys were saying so I think I got uh, gremlins and my zoom lines over here so uh, don't know what you guys had b- talked about previously to Dallin but I'm going to take a swing here at Go some around topic. the NHL we haven't hit that yet Around the NHL okay <laughs> um I have a nice little stat I got from the NHL department yesterday Would you guys want to guess when was the last time that the top three point getters in the NHL came from the same team at this point in the season. Hmm. I'll go Pittsburgh 95, 96, because it's always the reference point in the last two. It is always, it it happened twice between then and now. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Huh. Who would be someone that was really good? I'm like thinking like regular season studs. The Cavalier, Richard San Louis. That's a good guess. No, um, it, that team is not in uh, active anymore in the National Hockey League. It, uh, it moved. Heatley and uh, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Thrasher. It's actually not Thrasher. Heatley. It's Hosa Kovalchuk and Kozlov in two thousand six, two thousand seven with the Atlanta use the name Thrashers. Kozlov around here. I know. That's why I was like, "What? Yeah. That's yeah. Slava Kozlov that played yeah. like ten games and then left." But and and prior to that, two thousand one, two thousand two. Carolina Hurricanes with Jeff O'Neill and I forget the other two. But anyway, like it's pretty impressive what Vancouver's accomplished with Miller, Hughes, and Pedersen. Um, can they keep it up uh, and be the top team in the West? No. <laughs> okay. I think what I, I think the Vancouver Canucks start is really good. And I don't want to ruffle feathers saying that to Canucks fans because like I feel like they've had so much bad that some people are trying to like, we should appreciate the good while we have it. If you're a Canucks fan, right? Like go off, enjoy it. But I think the difference between a good team and a great team is that when you're good, you're finding ways to get better. And sometimes when you get super lucky, like the Canucks are doing, you can get a little complacent and just kind of ride the wave instead of actively doing things to make sure you sustain this level of play. And I think that's what they need to do. And we saw their luck luck kind of run out last year, uh, last night against Calgary, against the Islanders. They were incredibly lucky to win that game. They were not that good that game. They're lucky the Islanders are that bad in the third period and they got power play opportunities. The difference between their expected and actual goal differential is so big right now. I think their actual goal differential is plus 34 to lead the, or plus 35 to lead the league right now. Um, 
I actually come to think of it, that is before last night's game. I did the math. But <laughs> the point remains, it's such a high number, and we don't generally yeah. see that. They're getting outstanding goaltending. I think they're going to keep getting that. They're getting outstanding shooting luck. They have really good finishing talent, but I think it's going to come down to earth a little bit. We need to see them pick it up at five on five a little bit more. Pedersen Hughes and even Miller, I think are still going to be effective. I think that you have Phil Peronic on a top pair with Hughes. They're going to stay good. That's not going to change. But now everyone else around them needs to take it up a notch. So this can go from a good season to a great season and they can go from playoff team to contender. Keep going, Marty. Okay. Um, is, <laughs> is, because we're going to stick with Vancouver Calgary theme from last night is Jonathan Huberdeau uh, unlocked. He scored last night. First time in 11 games, October 19. You talked about Philip Hironik. I remember when he um, got to go to Vancouver, Alan Walsh's agent, his agent put a text, right? A, a tweet. Oh, look, Hironik's going to be great in Vancouver. And now Huberdeau scores that last night and Alan Walsh right away. There you go. <laughs> Huberdeau with a goal. I'm like, Dude, he hasn't scored like in 12 games. But anyway, um, is is Huberdeau going to revamp himself or is it what it is right now? Yeah, I think everyone needs a bestie like Alan Walsh. And I guess that bestie needs to capitalize off what his friends accomplish and his <laughs> clients accomplish. But I mean, who doesn't want their tires pumped like that after one goal? The thing with Huberdeau <laughs> is when he had that incredible heart caliber season that was pumped up to the highest degree. He really wasn't the most valuable player in the league. He was not the most valuable player on his team, despite all the results he had, which is not nothing. I don't want to say, oh, the points don't matter. It just wasn't as good as his play below the surface said. It was pumped up by power play points. And even when you broke down his strength, which is puck movement, it wasn't the best in the league, not at five on five. And not even when you add in that, you know, the power play that we know he was so good with, right? You see that he's not actually the best passer in the league at that point. It's a little concerning. I don't know what happened in Calgary to break him. I think it's more than the Daryl Sutter effect because that hangover has been really tough for everyone. I feel like he needs to be the secondary star on a team. And the secondary star on a team can still be a very good player. You look at Kucherov and Stamkos or Marner and Matthews. Secondary star can still be elite. I think he needs someone ahead of him and the Flames just don't have it. So I'm a little bit worried on how much, how effective he can really be there. I don't think that they have a lineup that can maximize him. And I think that he needs to get his own confidence back. It is not good right there. He, I'm doing a concernometer for next Monday, and he's one of the highest marks on there. And I don't think one or two goals is going to change that. Like, I think we need to see him really start crushing it. And it just isn't there. Sam Reinhardt going to win the rocket? (laughs) Yeah, there we go. He's the one person on that Florida power play that can convert on his chances. I don't know what's wrong with that team that year after year they're They have one of the biggest discrepancies between what they create and what they convert on on the power play. He's luckily making a difference for them. That line is fantastic. I think they have, before last night's game, have a 66% uh, expected goals rate, which is one of the best in the league, according to Evolving Hockey. They are excellent. I think it's so great, and he's going to get himself a very nice payday this summer. Yeah, every time, every time the contract comes about, it's like eh, Sam's going to get a payday. Sam's going to get a payday, <laughs> and I think he'll get another one. Um, any goalies? We asked you last week or two weeks ago. I think any goalies being moved soon because Caden Primo got a third start against the Vegas Golden Knights last night, and really, despite the fact that uh, you know he gave up six, um, I didn't think he was bad in the game. Like Vegas had gotten goalied in Washington the game before, and they were like, we're not getting goalied tonight. So um, is Caden Primo, Jake Allen, somebody else around the league? Jacob Markstrom, he's played, he's won three in a row. Is, is there a goalie being moved? 
I mean, I would say yes, but I don't think general managers understand goaltending at all. I think somehow like they're worse than like me. I, I'm the person that sits here and says, I don't understand goaltending. I'm not a goaltender. And I try <laughs> to piece the, you know, piece it together. But I think GMs truly are completely in the dark. So I don't know if it was another position. I'd be like, yes, they will see it. But with goaltending, maybe everyone's a little more hesitant. But like Jacob Markstrom is top three in the league right now in goal, goal saved of expected. And I feel like yeah. if you're Calgary, you need to do something mm-hmm. and you need to look at players with term as well. But I'm I'm curious about a team like New Jersey. I think that they went yeah. into this year with the right strategy in net, right? Like go low key in net and see yeah. how things can work with your now younger, more inexperienced blue line because you're such a up-tempo possession team. I think it's hard to judge without Heisher and Hughes. So I think the team needs to get healthier or at least once Hughes is back, because we don't know how long Heisher is going to be out. They can get a better assessment of it and go, can this team sustain this current back end? And I really think they're going to be a team to add. I don't know though. Is it going to be that sixth defensive spot for his Adorov type? So they don't have to play Brendan Smith and they have someone capable for the PK because right mm-hmm. now they don't. And that's why he's in the lineup. Or do they go for a goalie? I kind of wonder if they go low key on both just to yeah. add a little extra oomph to each position without going totally crazy. Loki is working for LA right now with Cam Talbot. And obviously the Devils had better goaltending last night than their counterpart in Pittsburgh and Tristan Jari, which allowed the Devils to get back into the win column. Shana, thank you so much. Uh, we'll look forward to even more of your contributions next week. Remember, we'll there's then. a game at 2 p.m. this afternoon. We forget yeah. about the Global Series. There's a game today at 2 p.m. We got to set our lineups. Me and you, we have to take over. Oh, my week. gosh. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> We're back to wrap Sabres Live right after this. Back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. From the morning skate in Winnipeg, where the Sabres take on the Jets tonight. We'll see Cousins with Skinner and Tuck in all likelihood as Buffalo's top line tonight. Paterka, Middlestad, Benson as Zach returns for his first game here in the month of November. Gergensen's Krebs, Opozo, Greenway, Jost, and Olofsson is what it's looking like. And if you narrow it down in front of Eric Comrie, who's the expected starter, the power play was an area that we wondered how different might it look. Marty, what do you think based on how it went this morning with a Power play one of Tuck, Paterka, Middlestad, Skinner, Dalin. Yeah, um, a lot of lefties on that power play, first of all, because you got Skinner, you got Middlestad, you got Paterka, you got Dalin. The only right-handed shot is Tuck, um, and I think he's best suited for net front presence. So that's interesting to me. How do, Maybe they use the left side of the ice to be able to get everybody better acclimated to the one-timer. Uh, and Benson... Uh, on a second unit with Dylan Cousins on the second unit. I would have had Cousins on the first unit in the Thompson spot, but he is on the second unit this morning. Which newcomer to the lineup scores tonight for Buffalo? Tuck. Oh, four-letter word. Uh, pace. Play with pace, Tucky. <laughs> I added a Y. Don't add the Y. <laughs> <laughs> Pacey we'll and Tucky. <laughs> we'll see you at 7.30 tonight on MSG. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.